Hi there, I'm Lori Hellman, a mom to an incredible young adult son on the autism spectrum. My goal when creating the Living the Sky Life podcast three years ago was that the content of each episode bring hope, connection, and some valuable takeaways to each listener. The special needs parenting village is large, so you should never feel like you have to travel this journey alone. If you haven't already, please connect with me through my website, Facebook page, or Instagram account. And let's keep the conversation going after each episode airs. If you are enjoying the podcast and are listening on Apple iTunes, please leave a rating and written review and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for tuning in and subscribing to season three of Living the Sky Life. Welcome back to another episode of Living the Sky Life. I am really excited about today's guest coming to me all the way from England. I had the pleasure of sitting down with Perry, who is better known to her Facebook followers and maybe most of you as Not Rain Girl is her account name. Perry is a 24-year-old autistic adult. Her honesty, understanding, and deep desire to educate parents and caregivers about living with autism as a nonverbal child and now an outspoken advocate is greatly appreciated and admired. And I can assure you that this autism mom not only values Perry's willingness to help explain and guide me, but that she does it from a place of kindness, love, and she truly wants to be helpful rather than confrontational. And I welcome that kind of feedback anytime. So please enjoy my conversation with Perry. So welcome back to another episode of Living the Sky Life. I have the pleasure of talking with Perry, um, who goes by Not Rain Girl on Facebook. I'm excited. I told her I'm kind of fangirling to talk to her. So welcome to the podcast, Perry. Thank you. Um, well, we have a lot to talk about, and it's a, a good timing, I feel like, for our recording because um, it's April, which brings about all things autism for those mm-hmm. of us who are in this world, I guess, and in this realm, um, you know, one of the things I like so much about your Facebook page and your writing is that you educate parents like myself on what it's like to live with autism mm-hmm. and you give us all kinds of feedback and information, but you always do it very respectfully. Um, you're trying to teach us things, um, and you're never, harsh with us. I feel like you give us the other side of the perspective of living with autism. So, um, you know, for my listeners who might not be familiar with your autism journey, um, can you share a little bit about your late diagnosis? And, um, I know you've mentioned openly that you weren't verbal, didn't have much speaking as far as communication goes until later, um, like 11 or so. So can you tell us a little bit about just kind of growing up with that frustration and not being diagnosed until later? Okay. Um, so I was a diet, I was a diagnosed with autism until I was 11 years old. But um, my family knew from like very young that there was something uh, different. Um, there's like lots of cases of, you know, children having skills and losing them I didn't really have that I just didn't have the skills from very early on mm-hmm. I didn't bab- I didn't babble as a baby uh I didn't really cry as a baby either I I would scream and that was about it um and then at age six I said my first word but then which was Bob, which is what I called my brother, um, because I couldn't say Daniel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, I fell into a regression and I lost all the skills, including that one word. Oh my goodness. Uh, until I was 10 years old. Um, so I was pretty much like nonverbal from there. And it was definitely, it was definitely like a journey and hard because most of the time I did have all the, what I wanted to say inside my head. Mm-hmm. I was very observant and I knew what was going on, but it was just that um, inability to express it. 
mm-hmm. it was like something was sort of standing in that way mm-hmm. um like I said didn't get diagnosed till I was 11 I was doctors said that I was too severe for girl autism which is girl like, autism yes girl <laughs> never heard autism. that um <laughs> Because, like, people, they, you know, definitely back then, they like to, you know, boy autism, girl autism, and it's just not, like... Yeah. That's not how it works, really. Right. Um, yeah, and they was like, you know, no, she, she she can't have this type of autism because she's a girl. And there was lots of other things, you know, that I think they tried to diagnose me with schizophrenia at 10. Oh, man. And all these other, like, really serious, like, mental health issues, despite um, the glaring, like, autism signs. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, back to 11, I was, I was finally diagnosed. I went to, I think, it was hospital in, like, London, which is one of our main cities, and they finally... Uh, diagnosed me they said it was really clear and then I at that age I kind of I was speaking but still not really like there were sentences but not really communicative Mm -hmm. such a lot of the sentences was still scripting on tv and that was frustrating because I was like okay well I can talk now why can't I you know, like talk, talk, like, mm-hmm. like what uh-huh. others are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's frustrating. I had, I have a sister who, um, two years younger than me, and she was obviously talking and doing everything that I couldn't. She was playing with Barbies, and she would get me to sit on the floor play with them, and she didn't understand why I couldn't make them talk like she did mm-hmm. I think she was like four and I was six and that was um you know just seeing her do this with such ease and not only the communication I didn't understand why we were playing with dolls mm-hmm. why were we making them talk when they couldn't why were we making them walk their pieces of plastic? I had no clue. Um, Is imaginative play something that's challenging for for you or uh, just from your experience with people on the spectrum, like just to play with mm-hmm. imagine, you know, just imaginary for, for yes, you like that? I would yeah. say it is because, yeah, people, you know, they pick up a stick. This is a magic wand. And I'm like, no, that's <laughs> clearly a stick <laughs> yeah that's very clearly a stick no it's one no that is very 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 clearly a stick very clearly a stick well that kind of comes back to um <laughs> just all of the people that I that I've spoken with um on the spectrum or just parents with older children too they've said that um everything is just so literal like if their kids are communicating with speech that you know it's just like when we say things that are just kind of jokingly or whatever they don't really understand the, the way that we're wording things um because mm-hmm. uh, yeah. everything is very literal in your interpretation is that yeah, pretty true for you very very literal and very it wasn't just speaking the language it was understanding the language and understanding mm-hmm. what as I got older I was you know people would be like why don't you do this why can't you understand this and I'm like well I only started talking at age 10 like you know by where everyone else had quite a they started talking at you know much younger Mm -hmm. what when did you get to um to your abilities now to you know hold a conversation and all of that you said at about 11 you were scripting still when yeah you know how long what what type of time frame was there um between you just it just clicked for you or how did it develop well at age 11 after my diagnosis I got accepted into a um special needs school Mm -hmm. for those with autism and other disabilities and um 
I think that helped a lot. We would have a lot of lessons that were very therapy based, very for communicative skills, speech therapy. Um, I was in speech therapy from with my other school from very young, so they carried that on. Um, and it was just lessons, basically how to talk to someone. And it's funny thinking back because it just shows how we struggle with things that so many people take for granted. Right. You know, how, how to give a compliment, how to accept the compliment, how to, mm-hmm. you know, talk about the weather, even though you don't care about the weather, just <laughs> those sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. You know? mm-hmm. I think, so I think that contributed. I get the question what you know what made you start talking how did it you know and I just I don't know I think it was probably multiple things I don't think it was just one thing Mm -hmm. I think the school definitely helped I think um just having the patience and having it not be such a big pressure to talk Mm -hmm. because when you put such pressure on someone they're bound to like fail because it's just too much right and I think when people started when the people around me started um, realizing that they didn't want me to talk they wanted me to communicate Mm -hmm. which are two different things I think that's when stuff started falling into place so I knew that yeah yeah, well, you know, I'm, I, of course, I have a, a, a ton of questions and I won't bombard you with all of them, but, you know, having my son, um, I don't know if you know much about me and him, he is, he'll be 19 actually, um, when this is released, but next week, um, and yeah. he is completely nonverbal. And so, you know, for years we have done variations of ABA and all the therapies. And, you know, you mentioned having a lot of therapies and a lot of things, you know, we've tried PECs, we've tried sign language, which eye contact, you know, was such an issue yeah. back then too. Yeah. And it still is. So that never really worked with him. You know, the pictures never really worked with him. We've been, we started spelling to communicate um, about a year and a half ago. And that seems to really have resonated with him. He, he likes it. And he, he's, it's just shown us, I mean, we already knew he was smart, but we knew, we know now that he's age appropriate understanding of everything that's happening. Mm -hmm. So I guess my question buried in there is, you know, for parents like me who have an older child or just a child in general, who is nonverbal, um, I've long since not given up, but, but like you said, speaking and communicating are two totally different things. I would give Mm -hmm. anything to communicate with him and have him tell me what he thinks and what he feels and what he wants. Um, but I don't want to, overly pressure him to spell or do pecs or, or find a way and AAC and mm-hmm. all of that. So when people were doing all of these therapies with you in these programs, were there some that you just resented and did not like at all um, that you could kind of share with us just what all of that is like when you're constantly having therapy and things mm-hmm. revolving around you and trying to get yeah. you to do things like us? Yes. Um, so I... I started um, signing a Macaton very young um, that I just didn't, I didn't get on with it uh, very well. Um, like, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't really know why. I don't think I have coordination for it. Or I just wasn't interested. It just didn't mm-hmm. stick. Like, I know quite a few signs now because my secondary school was very Macaton based, but like at, at age five or four, when I started, I just, it wasn't working. Mm-hmm. I would use the same sign. I would use toilet for everything. Um, yeah, that's how that scatters with more. He does yeah, more that, for everything. <laughs> that, that was everything. Yeah. Um, and that went on for a while before it was eventually like stopped. So I find that a bit frustrating because I was like, I'm not, yeah get it. I don't think I understood it I there was just no sort of to me it just wasn't you know logical I couldn't understand why we were using our hands to speak it was mm-hmm. yeah um the other therapies I think obviously um I had I had a tongue tie so when I did talk it was very hard 
for people to understand. I have a speech, a speech impediment that was very hard to understand, and I had a really bad stutter as well. So all that contributed sure. to the fact that sometimes when I could speak, I would just choose not to because I'm like, well, if they don't understand me, why am I doing yeah, it? Yeah, putting all that effort in. Uh-huh. So, and it was just, I would have this speech therapy where we would do like different sounds every month and, you know, the shush sound, the chest sound, and that was very, very, very grueling. Mm-hmm. Um, frustrating because obviously um I'm 25 so back then it was they didn't really understand that communicating and talking was two different things you know it was right she needs to talk if she doesn't talk then we fail she's failed everyone's failed Mm -hmm. so it was very very um intense and frustrating at times and they wasn't instead of looking at different paths they were just going down this one path which was um yeah it was tough because I knew it wasn't particularly working but I couldn't tell right you know I couldn't tell them and I was getting frustrated and you know when is there it's hard because obviously any therapy is hard and sometimes you have to push yourself but when do you have to stop pushing Mm-hmm. And when do you push? It's like a sort of seesaw. You have to get the right balance just mm-hmm. to balance it out. So that was very uh, frustrating. And um, also, there was therapies of basically how to be with people, how to communicate with people. Some of them was good, but some of them I felt like, why? am I having to go to all these therapies to learn to be in their world when they don't learn to be in our world? You're right. Yeah. Why do we have to, why do we have to change when they're the ones that are the same? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was really, that was really frustrating because I wouldn't mind if we both put in the work, but it just seemed like, us with disabilities we were told to like change yep and to make other people comfortable in that yeah and that's a constant battle you're still facing aren't you Mm -hmm. it never ends people always expect Mm -hmm. you to conform to the way that society does everything um I always worried that some of the therapies too almost made you guys like robotic Like we're teaching Mm -hmm. you the way, like, like you said, in communication with, with neurotypicals, like, you know, you have to say it this way, like, can I have this or whatever? I I don't know. I can't think of a good example, but you know what I mean? And and um, yeah. yeah. And because we are very literal, we would take that very literally. So when we would practice these things, they weren't authentic. They would come out as sort of robotic phases you know and it wasn't mm-hmm. really like homegrown if you know what I mean it was sort of um banged into us and that so I think you know with therapies there were like good way good ones and there were ones that maybe need a bit of work you know obviously each person is different mm-hmm. uh, some of the therapies really helped me and I wouldn't be where um I am today like I liked the ones that were you couldn't really tell they were therapies right they were sort of fun and they were sort of like games or they would talk to you about your interest and that's how they sort of led the therapy so you didn't really understand or know that it was work or something Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one of the things I like about spelling is that, you know, once he is able to openly communicate and has the 26 letter board and can, you know, we can ask him all kinds of questions and the answers are infinite 
you know, possibilities. He just will spell exactly what he's thinking instead of me saying, do you like this or this? And then he has to pick one of the two, but he doesn't really like either. So, um, yeah. you know, I'm looking forward to the open communication piece. Yeah. But, uh, um, my school, uh, when I first joined, of course, I was, I could speak, but I just didn't want to. I was very quiet. I wouldn't say anything. It mm -hmm. was sort of um, yes, no don't know was my favorite one um, <laughs> don't know <laughs> yeah don't know or go away so <laughs> um so then they started obviously trying to find me other ways and it was writing they would give me little post-it notes or they would I really liked drawing as well back then so they would draw me a comic strip and they would put little stickmen and they would write in the bubbles and it would say hello Perry how are you feeling today or something like that and then Aww. they would encourage me to write and these posts and these progressed from you know little stick men to comic strips to actually notes and then it progressed to emails and proper letters or things that I couldn't say but I could write down so that's smart I love that, that really, they yeah. tap into what's important to you and what you like to, to kind of teach. Like you said, it's therapy, but you don't really know it. It's just, you're just having a exchange yeah. with someone. Well, how did you, um, you know, this is another question. I'm sure a lot of parents like me have when you were frustrated or feeling the pressure mm -hmm. from therapies or anything like that, how did you express that? Since you said you couldn't say, look, this isn't working. I don't really like this. I don't like doing this did you act out? And I, I, I'm a true believer that my son's behaviors are a lot of times he's trying to tell me like, listen, I don't want to go to this place or I don't want to do this, or I don't want to eat this, but mm -hmm. I don't really know for sure what it is. Cause it's, mm -hmm. he has behaviors for everything. So yes, I don't know how to decipher what's him not feeling well, or what's him making a choice. Mm -hmm. So can you speak to that? Or did that yeah. happen to you? I feel like every behavior is a communication. Mm -hmm. You just have to try and find out what communication it is. As a child, I was very, 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 very angry. And I had a behavior for everything, like everything, you know, would trigger that. So it was hard to know why. But I think most of the time it was out of, I think the main ones were frustration because I couldn't communicate or understand why I couldn't communicate and understand those around me. One was overwhelmed, obviously like century wise, I was, it was it's a very overstimulating world in that. Um, so I was definitely overstimulated. Uh, but yeah, I would have a lot of meltdowns, the very sort of like, textbook autism meltdowns that you would read uh, mm -hmm. you know, the screaming the lashing out the chucking on the floor the head butting the you know the whole uh thing um and I think it was just because yeah I was frustrated I was overstimulated I didn't understand that there was too much going on mm -hmm. um sometimes it could be I was feeling unwell or and it's hard because those behaviors can sort of merge as one and you're like well what does this mean that she's hurting does this mm -hmm. mean that she's angry or is it just normal child behavior because she can't get her own way or is there something else you know those lines blurred a lot yes because sometimes a tantrum you can have a tantrum and then for an autistic it can turn into a meltdown Mm -hmm. quite easily so yeah that was difficult I was very yeah very very angry as a child because I just didn't there was lots going on I just didn't I couldn't understand couldn't communicate I had everything in my head mm -hmm. and I couldn't express it and I couldn't tell people why I couldn't express it either yeah like yeah you know doctors and talking to people and I would have this monologue like in my head but I just couldn't get it out mm -hmm. well yeah. I think that is honestly one of the hardest parts of parenting autism is that for a non 
verbal or, you know, a child who's unable to communicate in many ways, because we just don't, I just don't want to be wrong. And I don't want him to suffer because I don't know if your pain threshold is as high as my son's, but I think that's a common characteristic of a lot of autistic people. I mean, he's one time, um, dislocated his knee. And the only reason I knew is because I could see it to the side of where his knee was supposed to be. And he didn't even cry. He was just kind of like whining a little bit. And I'm like, what's the matter? And then I look and I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. you know, you need uh, treatment. But um, it's just so hard because I know he's suffering because he can't communicate or he's frustrated or he doesn't feel well, like you said. And I just, it's not that I want to fix him, but I just want to help him like any parent would. I just want to make it better. I don't want him to hurt. I don't want him to be frustrated, but all the therapists have explained to me and, and maybe you can agree or tell me that, that we're wrong. But when mm-hmm. you were angry like that, you, you probably didn't have the inability to stop it. Like you, no. you couldn't control your body no, from yeah. hitting or banging or smacking or no. you reach the point of no return. There's okay. a, in, a melt, in a meltdown, there's a very small window that sometimes you can diffuse it but when that window's closed it's closed there's no way of getting through to us we're gone we're not our bodies are there but we're not there you know it's we're just so angry frustrated it's just the best thing you can do just do it just ride it out Mm -hmm. with us and keep us safe obviously if that's an issue but yeah, we just, we can't listen. I know there's, there was a lot of things that my family did that probably weren't um, too helpful, but they obviously didn't know, like, if I was beginning to get frustrated, they started giving me choices. That's like the worst thing you could do. It is? Oh no, because yeah. I do that too. Or I ask him questions because I know he understands me. I'm yeah. always like, you know, is it is it this, is it that? And he does ramp up. He gets more and more mad at me. And then I'm like, yeah. I'm sorry, I don't... Yeah, that was one of the things that the school used to do it, but soon stopped because they saw that it was actually uh, an issue. It's just um, at that time, we have so much to process and now you're giving us more things to decide. Oh, man. Uh, For me personally, making choices has always been very difficult. Even when I'm calm, that could lead to a meltdown. But definitely if I'm already angry, it's like the worst thing. Um, well, good to know. I won't do that it, anymore. <laughs> it, it's just too much pressure. And just, um, there was this other thing, and like loads of parents um, do it, loads of parents, caregivers do it to their children. You know, when they start doing something bad, you go to the count of three. Uh, if you don't stop this by the count of three, you would go one, two, three. That used to send me. Oh, basic. yeah. Because you can't just, stop right and that's just more pressure it was Mm -hmm. too much pressure to stop after three or after ten or how I you know that would just yeah I think it's definitely a sort of you're you're gonna fail sometimes and that's okay as long as you like improve improve Mm -hmm. it you know it's a sort of trial and error type of thing did you inflict some of the um the anger, like the hitting and the stuff on your parents or your siblings? Yes, yes, definitely. So how, how do you, um, now that you can communicate to them, you know, like my biggest fear always is that Skylar is doing it because sometimes he can control it. He's just mad at me and he's, you know, like any typical kid, he like smacks me or whatever. And then I, I get angry. I get frustrated because I only have so much patience that I can handle with my hair getting pulled and stuff. And I'm always like, please stop hitting me or stop hurting me. And then I feel so guilty. And I'm, then I go to bed worrying that he's so angry with me because I yelled at him and he can't control it. And it's not his fault. And he's mad at me and I'm frustrated with him. I just, you know, the buildup of all of that, I just worry that he doesn't, I hope he understands that I know it's not his fault and he can't control it. And I'm mm-hmm. not at all mad at him. I'm just frustrated too. So yeah. I just, how do we, <laughs> how do we fix that part? I just don't <laughs> ever want to think that he doesn't love me or that he's, you know, he's doing it on purpose because he doesn't like me at all. Yeah, yeah, of course. I feel like when you add autism or any disability into the mix, 
um, say with a child or a young person, it's hard because we all have days where we are just, you know, we may just not be nice. Like we, everyone uh-huh. has days Everybody where does. we're just yeah. not nice people or we may want to wind someone up or we may get angry at them because we're angry at them or we may not get our own way. Um, but obviously when you add autism in the mix, there's also a part where you, you can't help it and that. And it's very hard to for those lines can blur. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it can look the same thing. I think obviously um, I think looking back at it now, like most of it I couldn't help. Like some lines did blur. Obviously, I wasn't just autistic, I was a child as well. I was a teenager, I was, you know, still going <laughs> yeah. through all the normal um thing, but I do definitely feel bad, see, and I hope they know that most of the time I didn't mean to. There was always, even though I didn't show it, there was after I came down from the meltdown, there was always a sense of um, guilt. I didn't completely show it like everyone else, but yeah. there was definitely remorse there. Like if I kicked the uh, once um kicked the door off. Uh, the hinges and once I calmed down I kind of just looked at the door and I didn't understand that I had done that it was like it was like oh the door's on the floor really is um, it like an yeah. out-of-body experience sometimes yeah. like when you get sometimes so ramped is, up if you get so yeah and then there was like no you know you did this and I was like oh so yeah you can't say good. I'm sorry yeah no <laughs> I was like oh Okay, and then days later, I may just randomly, like in the most random conversation, just say, sorry about the door. And they're like, and they've like forgotten about it now, but obviously I'm still processing. Yeah. But uh, it's hard. I, I think you're probably just doing the best you can and like you're bound to get frustrated at each other. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that he knows because you keep, wanting to like be better and you're always there you never like leave mm-hmm. and you just do it this the next day so I think that speaks volumes we're yeah. quite in tune with those sort of things we know you know well thank you I'll take your words since he doesn't have them to give me <laughs> that mm-hmm. that's exactly that I'm, I'm doing the right thing and I, I I do love him with everything I've got so I I will never never stop fighting with him alongside of him for whatever he needs you know um yeah yeah like we don't want to fight with you we just want someone to fight with us mm-hmm. like we want someone to fight next to us yeah so, yeah. yeah well I um I love reading about um all the things that you're doing in your life that you're excited about um you I know you mentioned in one of your blogs that you got your first job in 2017 and that yep. was with Krispy Kreme right yeah. So tell me a little bit about that, like the interview process, if they, um, if they did that or like how you were able to get that job for yourself, because those are the success stories that I want to highlight because you you're doing amazing things. So, um, yes. Yeah, so in 2017, I had, um, just finished, uh, a college course um and this course allowed me to go to uni and that I chose not to go for uh, multiple reasons um and I thought what do I want to do now mm-hmm. um so this was supposed to be just a gap year back then I was going to take a gap year and go back to uni so I was like how about I try and get a job uh saw Krispy Kremes on um yeah on a job search and thought okay we'll try this (laughs) yeah I didn't like it was a new store opening up in our local shopping centre and thought "Eh, you know let's have a try got to the interview um it was it was um yeah it was pretty okay I remember obviously it was years ago now so trying to remember like the process I think it was very sort of I think it was quite chill in that, and um, it was 
it was difficult. Well, obviously, it was like my first one of my first interviews, and I didn't know. I think as anyone, you worry about you know going to an interview, but as mm-hmm. someone with autism, you're like, okay you feel like you have to act a different way and sort of mask if you can but sometimes you can't and eye contact was definitely an issue oh sure do you tell them that up front though I mean are you because I'm sure everybody's different and how they feel about it but did you let them know hey listen you know I'm not I'm probably not gonna look you in the eyes um I am on the autism spectrum and um you know please don't hold that against me like I'm capable of this job I just there's some things I'll do differently uh, than others. I was, yeah, I was taught by my family very early on to let people know, uh-huh. you know, whatever situation I'm in, if it's an interview or a doctor or if I'm in an accident and an ambulance came, is just to tell them. Yeah. Uh, up front. Um, because it's just easier uh it, it just saves a lot of misunderstandings sure going off a little off topic but a few years when I was I don't know like 15 maybe I was in a just a small uh car a car wreck and ambulance people came in it was me and my sister and my dad and the ambulance people get my sister me and my sister out and I was not doing what they asked I was yeah. pushing them away. I wouldn't look at them, wouldn't talk to them, I was screaming. And I was like 14, 15, and they were like, why is a teenager acting yeah. like this? You know, why are they kicking? And they were getting, you know, those like, you need to listen, getting quite frustrated. And then my younger sister, who's like 15 or 12 at the time, was like, she's autistic. And I remember how quickly they changed, how quickly they became understanding and was like, oh, okay, this is, so it it really does help. People may be embarrassed to say it, but I think it does help. And when I was able to actually tell people and speak Mm -hmm. ably to people, because until I was like 18 I wouldn't like speak to strangers wouldn't speak to doctors wouldn't speak to hairdressers mm-hmm. I still don't with hairdressers but that's <laughs> kind of the fact that you're there to cut my hair not to talk to me but, um, <laughs> <laughs> well I mean I think you make it such a good point though about that because you know as parents and I know you've seen it all online and everything mm-hmm. that we're ridiculed so much for talking about or you know, introducing, I don't like lead in and introduce Skylar as this is my autistic son, Skylar. I don't do that. But when people clearly recognize that as 19, he's not responding to them. He's not, you know, behaving, so to speak as a typical 19 year old. I do. I don't want them to keep saying, hi, no, how are you? And like talking to him because he can't respond. And I don't mean to demean him, but I'm just saying to them, like, well, he's, he has autism and whatever. They're like, oh, and you're right. They do change. But they I'm do. beat up about it if I, I mention that in a blog or something and I talk about, you know, yeah. letting people know that he's on the spectrum and they're like, you should not label him. You should not do that. But I don't. So what it, I mean, from your what, opinion, because it's just an opinion, but what what do you say about that? I mean, I feel like I have to and I'm not hurting him. I don't think by telling people that in his presence. Am I? Oh. No, no, like all years that I've seen, you know, in that situation, in situations where my sisters had to take me to a hairdresser, they would always say, look, she's autistic, she do it. And I just saw it as something of them being helpful and mindful. You know, I was never upset about it. Mm-hmm. And it helped the people dealing with me because sometimes we can come off rude or, you know. Right. And they need to. No, yeah, I see, obviously, I see a lot of that people like grilling, uh, you know, parent bloggers for it. And I'm like, what do you want them to say? I know. Like, they don't understand, like, you would, you know, some of a kid had diabetes, you would tell someone and go, okay, this child has diabetes, they need this. And why don't you do that the same with communication disabilities or intellectual disabilities? Yep. You know? I completely agree. 
and I am an autism mom, whether they want me to call myself that or not, that's exactly exactly what I am. Even before I got my autism diagnosis, my family or friends, they would tell, oh, she's got a disability, you know, just to, just to warn people because there's, you just don't know. Like when I went out with my grandma once, uh, we saw it was some sort of distant family, I don't know, and she was very, uh, she's the sort of person to hug you and kiss you on the cheek. And my grandma put me, my grandma looked at me, saw the lady come and put me in the, we were in like a charity shop, we were in a shop, and she put me in the changing room and she went, just just sit there, because she knew I was hope. And she told the lady and went, and the lady was like, oh, is she in there? And grandma's like, she's autistic um leave her alone yeah basically mm-hmm. um and it's just that and she listened her the her partner that she was with did not so he got a kick part <laughs> <laughs> yeah he he well you warned him so him and he did <laughs> warn them but at least they knew mm-hmm. i wasn't just just a brat me, yeah yeah saves me problems it saves me so in the interview yes I did say I said look I'm not gonna you know I was very straight up I went I'm not gonna look you in the eye because I can't because I'm autistic and even though I've gone through all these therapies and that I still eye contact is still very very difficult yeah um and he was like yeah that's fine like he he was very very chill about it and yeah um we talked about obviously 2017 we talked about my blog because I started it in 2016 it was still a very small blog back then so wasn't much to say about it but you know I was like just um I like to write we talked about that we went through typical questions um I left it thinking that I probably didn't get the job and I didn't really mind it wasn't you know sort of life or death sort of thing it was just it would be nice if I got it and then I got it so that was a very big surprise that's probably such a wonderful moment like a turning point almost for you like you know what I can do anything actually probably getting into the university was another big milestone for you that you know something that you wanted to do with your writing yeah yeah so now yeah now you are working with um, children, which you absolutely love. Is it a nursery that you are working yeah. for? So, and I know, again, I know everything from your blogs because I follow you very closely, <laughs> but um, you know, you were talking about how, you know, in the future, you obviously want a career, you want to be a mom, you, um, you know, love working with children. So what is, what is so special about your job with the nursery that you love so much? Um. I've always wanted to work with children. I've always been very drawn to children. And I think that uh, in my last blog post, I wrote about how I find autism puzzling. Yes, and I love um, that one. And I was hoping we'd talk about that too. <laughs> I, the reason why I'm bringing it up here is because despite how profoundly autism affected me in other ways definitely to take care of myself and that I could always I always knew how to take care of a child I always knew I was very in tune with that and my family definitely found it puzzling because they're like she can't tie her shoelaces she's learning how to I was 11 I was still learning how to feed myself but I could change a nappy I uh-huh. could understand why a child was upset I could calm a baby down just like that and that was it is still very puzzling it's I'm a special sure. gift though you yeah. that you have it and I so I've always wanted uh to do something like that and then um but obviously I just haven't always had the opportunity uh, mm-hmm. to do so and I think obviously obviously Krispy Kreme even though it has nothing to do with children it helped me build up the confidence yeah uh, 
because it was dealing with, with retail, it was dealing with people every day. Um, so obviously the end goal, I would love to work with uh, kids with special needs and that, because I feel like I would be good at that. And at the nursery, they're sort of guiding me to kids that are on sort of like special needs pathways and that. So that's really, so I get to be like a one-to-one with them, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, obviously I've, um, I definitely want to become a mum. That's something that, again, I've always wanted to do. Even yeah. before, before, you know, I could do it. It's, you know, I mm-hmm. think, um, yeah, definitely one of the things. And I think I'm learning that uh, autism will always limit me in some ways, but only but in the ways that matters, I can achieve in that. Like everyone, everyone has their own limits in that, mm-hmm. even without disabilities. So I'm sure it feels so fulfilling though and purposeful that you're doing something that you love. Um, I mean, I can only imagine how special those parents feel that have kids that might be tending, trending towards, um, you know, autism or some sort of a, um, a, a lack of connection at a young age. And they're not, maybe not fully diagnosed yet. And to have you just in their life, I think you can relate and also maybe even decipher some of the behaviors, just some of the things that maybe the parents have no clue about. Yeah. It is a special gift that, that you have. So, um, I, I'm so glad you got that opportunity to, to be in that nursery and to work with kids and do what you're passionate about. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I want to be the person that I could have needed. Yes. Cause back then there was no sort of blogs about, you know, about autism or special needs. It wasn't really talked about. I wasn't spoken about, you know, it was just sort of, existed but not really in the public eye because mm-hmm. no one really knew much about it yeah you know, I don't I don't think uh my family knew much about autism when I was diagnosed my older brother he had um uh he has uh Asperger's which apparently is bad to say right now but I don't know <laughs> according to who I'm so tired of it like yeah this is why it is I can't filter anymore uh uh, but we were and still are very polar opposites um so yeah it was very unknown Mm -hmm. well we keep referencing your your blog which I said in the beginning is called not rain girl that you started in 2016 what was the significance of that name I mean besides I think the obvious, but I love that name. And I think it, it is so much more than just the name. It's, it solidifies everything you stand for, in my opinion, because you, you are the first person to jump on and say, Hey, listen, you know, all of the, the bullies and people that are saying all these things to other autistics or to parents and caregivers, like this is it. It's not just one perspective. It's not just one way. You can't just tell people you can't use the puzzle piece. You can't do this. You can't do that. I'm an autistic and I'm telling you that this, this is what it means to me. So it's not all or nothing. Um, so how did not rain girl come about? Like, what was your thought process when you named it that? Um, trying to think obviously I think I I made the blog on the web it was actually a teacher said you know you have so much in your head but you're just not able to express it you're Mm -hmm. good at writing you need to write it down in a blog whether you publish it or not that's your business but like just just create a blog so I went home and I first uh, created a wordpress Mm-hmm. account which is where some of my first ever blogs were published and then I think a few days later I went on Facebook and I just I was going through all these sort of names trying to think and then obviously I remember the film uh, Rain, Rain Man, Man. Mm-hmm. 
that was on quite a lot when I was uh, younger. Um, I think it was like my siblings were trying to see, trying to understand autism through it, but it, they just, you know, they they just couldn't because it was so sort of Rayman is in just one box. Yep. And people expect you to be like Rain Man and very good at maths. I hate maths. I'm not good at maths. <laughs> I hate everything about it. And in school, trying to get me into a maths class was trying to get like blood out of a stone. It just didn't happen. Right. It it just so I thought not everyone who's autistic is Rain Man. Exactly. Yes. So then I put not Rain and then obviously of a girl so I put yeah yeah not red girl I and love I thought, it yeah this is like yeah I thought that's quite a good name that's um, so frustrating too because you know when all I think when each of our kids were diagnosed and and, and all, every time someone is diagnosed with autism people are like oh I've seen Rain Man like I told I understand no you don't Skyler isn't like he could not be further away from rain, the Rain Man depiction <laughs> if he tried. So it's so frustrating that people still to this day don't even understand that there is such a vast spectrum. And I think that's what causes so much confusion um, because there are autistics that are younger, older, whatever, that can speak for themselves and they can yeah. advocate for themselves and they can, you know, just do all of the things. And my son currently cannot. So I am the only person he has speaking on his behalf, telling the good, the bad, the whatever. I mean, of course I, I filter. I don't say every single thing about him because I want to be respectful to him because one day he can communicate and he'll be like, Hey, why'd you tell the world that I, whatever. So I I'm very careful about that. I feel like, but I still want people to see this side of autism though. That's really hard for him. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you mentioned your recent piece um, that I read this morning about puzzle pieces and the puzzle piece symbol. And again, because it's April, um, why were you so passionate about getting that out there? Because every April for 19 years, I've heard about this. I've heard about the color blue. I've heard about Autism Speaks and I've heard about puzzle pieces and how I'm just this horrible person because I appreciate all three of those things. So <laughs> I feel like, for me, for that post, there was a much deeper meaning. Like, if I'm honest, I don't, I don't care about symbols. I, yep. I don't yep. care about the puzzle piece. I don't care about the infinity sign. I don't. Uh, if I was to use a symbol, I would choose the puzzle piece. But if one day all symbols were bad, it wouldn't affect me at all. Yeah. I think it's just the fact that. I get so frustrated when people are telling other people not to do that and not to use this and not to say that. And the majority of autistics are like, there's there's only like a billion people in this world and probably a lot of them are autistic. You can't know what the majority of autistics use. Like that's impossible. You can't speak for them all. Yeah. (laughs) And I just... I wanted to get that out there that personally I like the puzzle I use the puzzle piece because I like this or because I view it like that yeah I view it like this and that's up to me if you know if I want to say I'm on the spectrum that's okay instead of in the spectrum over the spectrum I don't know (laughs) If, if I want to say I have autism instead of autistic that's okay definitely because they mean the same thing I don't understand yeah if I want semantics Mm -hmm. that's okay if I want to use blue that's okay like I use blue because I like blue not because of whatever it's representing Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so I think for me it was just I just don't understand all all the hate like if you're spreading autism acceptance and awareness or whatever you want to call it then great like I don't Mm -hmm. care how you do it you know and people shouldn't like we're all doing the same thing does it matter how we do it nope yeah I mean we're wasting a lot of precious time when we need to be advocating for more 
employment opportunities, for more services, for more money, yeah. and funding, and all of those things. Who cares about a symbol or whatever? And I agreed with every word of that blog post that from the beginning, I've always thought of the puzzle piece as describing how puzzling this is, how puzzling autism is, because the spectrum is so large. Every person is so unique. There is a lot to uncover about this disorder and where it comes from and all, just all of that. I don't look at the puzzle piece as if a piece is missing from my no. son. I've never even associated that actually so. with a piece of his mind missing a piece. Like he's not missing anything. He's a hundred percent fully a person and he just has some challenges and looks at the world a little differently. Yeah. I'm just, I'm puzzled on how to figure it out. So. Yeah. It, the whole thing <laughs> puzzling, right? One of the things puzzling, and I know my family thinks this is true, that how could I go from someone that was not verbal most of her life and very, very severe behaviors to someone to who I am now, that whole process is puzzling. I, people ask me that. That's the most questions I get in my inbox. I'm like, I have no idea. I don't know how that works. I don't think scientists could even tell you. And that's, and it is puzzling, but puzzling is, it can be beautiful as well. Yeah. It's just this hate that we're, autism is all about embracing differences, yeah you can't embrace differences if you're in the community mm -hmm. it just makes no sense like it's not only you know autism moms versus autistic advocates it's now autistic advocates versus autistic advocates. yeah and I just don't they're bringing on the the firing squad we we're just we're trying to work together yeah I'm just I'm sharing my story I'm not sharing anyone else's yeah, people can relate to that, then that's brilliant. That this is my voice, and mm -hmm. it's been silent for so long. I'm not about to let mine or anyone's voices be uh, silent. You know, yeah. I very, very quickly learned in this community that even if you're friends with someone that you don't like, if they don't like, then you're like the worst person, or you know, yeah, I just don't. They try to get you cancelled. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm like, oh, I'll wake up to that. And I'm like, yeah. okay, well, that's cool. Just because I liked a certain blog or I liked a certain, it's just mm -hmm. silly. Like, I don't get it. I feel like we all need to be working together. Mm -hmm. You know, autism advocates, autism moms or not moms or what, who, whatever they want to be called. Mm -hmm. whatever you call them like <laughs> even, even as someone with autism I'm always trying to say the right thing and then I stop I just stop because I shouldn't have to filter myself no like you said it's taken you this long to find your voice and it should never be silenced or corrected um, on what you choose to say have you gotten um a lot of I, I'm sure inbox is flooded a lot but um have you gotten a lot of you know, uh, questions, but also, um, just feedback from caregivers and parents, like, oh my gosh, just this sentence that you said, just changed my complete mindset on something with my child or whatever. I'm, I'm sure your transparency about just your journey has given a lot of hope to a lot of parents to just stay the course and do what we're doing. Uh, yes, yes. A lot, a lot. Uh, from yeah I think my the first piece that went viral was obviously my post when I was non-verbal yeah I like, shared that up. one uh-huh and I had no clue it would get that much attention then the comments were just like oh this paragraph I've been wondering why my son did this or why my daughter did this this has opened my world oh now I'll do this instead of that mm -hmm. and it's just amazing to feel like you're helping people all across the world I shared yesterday um, a teacher in Spain had given had printed off one of my posts put them in letters and got his autistic students to give to their parents and caregivers Aww. so that's like 
yeah, that's incredible that it's helping that, you know, I was told, my family was told, you know, I wouldn't talk, I wouldn't even be able to grow up in, you know, with them, I would have to be sent away because I would get too violent, I wouldn't be able to do this, I wouldn't be able, I just wouldn't, like, it was such a grave prognosis for something that wasn't a death sentence, but it was felt like it they they really did make it feel like it um so it's nice that i'm uh fighting all that and obviously proving them wrong but also helping other people as i do it so, yeah yeah i mean it's such a beautiful story and it does give me hope and lots of parents hope that um whether it's speaking or or communicating in a different way that it's there's never, you know, I say it all the time, Skylar's only 19, he's not 90. I have so much time to still help him find his voice and his method of communication wherever yeah, it is. And exactly. I'm never gonna, never gonna stop trying to exactly. um, help him. And you're living proof of that. <laughs> like it, it will come when it's, when it comes, it's not on like, my timeline. It's, it's exactly. I feel like with my, obviously my family always says that uh, Perry will do it when she's ready like, she will do it it may take ages but she will do it but I think with my story that's why uh, because it is quite a success story and that's why I like to share the hard bits as well because mm-hmm. I don't want people to give people false hope and I feel like the success story is really great it's amazing and it's you know it's so nice but that's not something that people need to accept people need to accept the hard bits of autism as well so I like to keep my blog as real as possible uh so people can accept autism as a whole and the person as a whole instead of just the good bits or Mm -hmm. you know which again I get hateful but like you know I would rather people accept my bad bits than just my good bits. Mm-hmm. Those yeah. are the bits that, you know, they need understanding more. Yeah. You are a very yeah. strong woman. You really are. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, you know, I guess to, to kind of conclude, speaking of, um, you know, just parents and caregivers and all of all of that in your blogs, is there one or two things that you could just share with the listeners about living with autism. I mean, it's, it's a never ending thing. It's never like you grow out of it, which I constantly Mm -hmm. say to people because they think, I think at 22, when our services end here in the States, um, people think, okay, well he's good and he doesn't need anything. So is there anything you would just share with people in general, just about living a life with autism that can, um, you know, maybe provide some encouragement or just something, a perspective that we need to know? um obviously you don't grow out of it <laughs> like you know it doesn't end so it doesn't end at 18 uh, over here in the UK you know things stop you stop getting the help at 18 which is ridiculous 18 uh, wow yeah. gosh we're lucky to have 22 or 21 <laughs> be the age <laughs> um I would say so I would say that I would also say that just it's it's a journey and it's it's a journey where you get to appreciate the beauty of it and even realize that even the hard bits have beauty in it as well and it kind of just tells you to slow down and that and just yeah really really listen with just not just your ears and that you know and yeah just slow down because I'm not like saying the way we live is better but like we it's so simple sometimes like if we're um we're tired or something we'll just sit on the floor we don't care if people look at us we don't understand social norms we don't understand that's not you can't just lay on the floor in the middle of a supermarket, you know. <laughs> but we do. And do you want parents to just get down there with fine. you? 
just sit down yeah. there with you. Yep. Sometimes you do. You just have to do those things mm-hmm. and just not care what people think. Mm-hmm. And that it's not autism, you know, it isn't all rainbows, it isn't all, there is hard bits. But, you know, you just gotta sort of keep hitting those curveballs that keep coming your way. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll hit them with you if you get onto our level. Join our world for a minute, you know? Mm-hmm. That's probably the big thing. I love that. Yeah. Don't always make us join your world. Let us join. Take a little vacation to our world, you know? Even if it's for a day, a week, a month, you know, just just come in and see how we do things. Because sometimes the way we do things may be better. I think a lot of cases it's better. I I love that Skylar doesn't know hate. He doesn't know to be, you know mean to people or, or to, to be prejudiced against people. He just loves everything and everyone. And he's just living his life. And he doesn't, he doesn't know yeah. all of the crap that, no. <laughs> that we, you know, put in our minds and deal with. So we just see it so simply. And sometimes that is people start autism. So I think people overcomplicate things. So just, you know, spin around, sit on the floor, you know, line, line things up and then look at that line and go yes that's a very good line like you just mm-hmm. um yeah just, yeah enjoy really great advice and I love listening with more than your eyes that is a hundred percent our job like I I feel like I'm in a constant observer I'm just trying to I say all the time, the phrase, it's an endless game of charades because it is, I'm just constantly guessing, trying to figure out what are you trying to tell me? What do you need? What are you doing? So I'll just, I'll keep doing that. Cause he is telling me, I just have to get better at deciphering. Listen, <laughs> it's like, if, if your intentions are good, we, we, we can tell that your intentions are good. Mm-hmm. They may yeah. not be on point all the time, but if they're good, then, you know, we, we we know that. Yeah. We're very good at knowing that, I think. Uh, yeah, definitely. Well, I, so, I, I mean, your, your information and just your feedback is beyond, <laughs> I mean, it's so helpful. I can't even quantify how, how great this is. And um, I am just so glad to have found you and to have gotten a chance to talk to you. And we, I, I can speak for all parents uh, all autism moms and dads, as we call ourselves, um, it, it just hearing from you and your perspective and your honesty always with kindness um, is is invaluable to us. So thank you so much for blogging and for allowing us into your world. It it, it means so much to me and I know everyone else and it really makes a difference for us. It, it helps tremendously. I'm so glad you found your voice and that you decide to write about your life because- we appreciate you so much. You're welcome. Well, thank you for your time. And um, I will be talking to you soon. I, I hope that's okay. I'm going to probably ask you questions all the time now. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Well, thanks, Perry. All right. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Living the Sky Life and we'll tune in for the next episode coming soon. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Living the Sky Life podcast within Apple Podcast, Spotify, and Google Play, so you'll receive alerts when new episodes are released. Subscribing is the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select the five-star rating, provide feedback, and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for listening.